Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fair side. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. Here after the Dolphins' five-game winning streak, following an ugly, rainy 14-10 to victory over the Los Angeles Rams in L.A., a game that I think of for 54 minutes out of this game, a bunch of Dolphins fans wanted to blow their brains out, just either out of sheer, sheer boredom or being down 10 to nothing to a rookie quarterback. But the Dolphins end up pulling it out. Gritty performance. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube as well. Before we get into the game, a little bit of Dolphins news. Not very good news either. Defensive end Jason Jones suspended two games due to the substance abuse policy. Puts a little bit of a, a puts a little bit of damage into the Dolphins' defensive end rotation. Hopefully, in the next two games, the Dolphins aren't going to need him as much. Paul, your initial thoughts on this fourteen to ten Rams win? I just want to comment real quick before that on, on the Jason Jones piece. It's you know he hasn't been a huge factor for the team this year, although he's played okay. Mario Williams hopefully will be back and healthy and can fill it for the defensive end snaps that he would normally get behind Branch. And with Earl Mitchell back uh, and the way that he's playing, the middle of the defense is just fine for the roles that he would have played uh, on passing downs. So his role is diminishing anyway. And even though it's a really weird two-game suspension considering everyone else seems to get four-game suspensions, it's hopefully he'll be back and good to go but for uh, the Jets game uh, in a few weeks. But as as far as the Rams game, God, it was ugly for like and boring for like 55 minutes in that game. It, it was a defensive battle, but it wasn't – it didn't feel like a battle per se. It just felt like two sluggish teams not quite able to do anything. And then all of a sudden, the final five minutes of the game, Miami exploded. Tannehill suddenly was absolutely sharp again. Devontae Parker stepped up. That Jarvis Landry touchdown was such a team effort. I mean, that looked like the closest thing to a rugby scrum I've ever seen in in an NFL game. So, God, I love the way this team fights at the end no matter what instead of showing their bellies like they have in the past few years. Yeah, I mean, it was a snooze fest for 54 minutes. And the Rams' second offensive drive of the game, there was a 22-yard pass to Kenny Britt, then a long touchdown run by Todd Gurley. And then for the next 50 minutes of the game, there were only three points scored. And then following a Greg Zerline 46-yard miss with 6.50 remaining, Dolphins put back-to-back 75-plus yard drives together right at the time where the rain is starting to let up. Huge victory, uh, and what makes it even better, the Kansas City Chiefs lose to the Bucks 19-17 to earlier that day, which really increases the Dolphins' odds of getting a wild-card spot as this continues. Dolphins have the 49ers next week in Miami, a game that you'll be at, Paul. Eight point, they're going to be an eight-point favorite in that game. So you got to think that the Dolphins are going to be seven and four at that point. And then if they 
are, then you get to the Ravens game, and it's going to be 55 days since the Miami Dolphins have lost a football game. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely crazy. Just just what what they've been able to do during this five game span. I I will correct one quick thing there. I I, I wish I'd be at that game this weekend, but unfortunately, with it being the holiday, I won't be able to attend. Uh, but big shout out to the Web Weekend crew. Big shout out to Scott Stone for what he does for everybody every year down there. The guy's really one of those unheralded champions of the organization. But, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what this team is able to do against San Francisco. I mean, San Fran did look a little bit strong against the Patriots early in that game this past weekend, but uh, they're not a team that worries me all that much, so long as Miami doesn't view it as a trap game. Yeah, now it's looking pretty certain the Dolphins are at least going to have a winning record on the season. Paul, let's get into the grades against the Rams for the Dolphins. Starting at the quarterback position, I'll take this one to begin with. Uh, For the first 53 minutes and 20 seconds of the game, Ryan Tannehill was 12 for 21 for 57 yards and an interception, a quarterback rating of 42.4. In the final six minutes and 40 seconds, the last two drives of the game, 12 for 13, 119 yards, two touchdowns, 144.4 quarterback rating. And you look at that pass to Devontae Parker, nine yards, a throw, when you look at the, the tight spiral, the low trajectory, everything, a throw that very few quarterbacks can make. Uh, Tannehill, for me, though, is not completely off the hook. Uh, they were 0 for 11 on third down deep into the fourth quarter. And so it's something I'm not going to say the Dolphins were lucky because the last two drives looked so good. And there was the rain factor, too. But overall, when I factor everything in, I'm going to give them a C plus. I'm actually going to go ahead and give Tannehill a B here. Um, I actually lean towards a B plus, believe it or not, even though it was pretty rough going early on. I know the rain was a factor, which is fine. And, you know, you got to be able to play in the rain. But I think he made some plays with his legs numerous times. There was one point where he took a sack when he really should have just thrown the ball away. He got outside the tackle box, kind of looked around, and, and you saw him pause with like, oh, crap, there's no one to throw to. And then he got drilled. So, I mean, he had the time to throw it away. Should have done so. But I'll also say, too, that interception – I'm not, I, at first, I thought Parker just stopped at the goal line a little early, but it looked like there was actually a little bit of contact. No, no flag was the right call. But given that, Parker would have been in, in the right position if he hadn't gotten slowed by the contact after the ball was in the air. So that very easily could have been six right there, a little bit earlier in the game. Let everybody breathe a little sigh. And who knows what momentum that might have picked up from there. So... I can give him a B right on the cusp of a B plus, especially given the fact that he really took the team on his shoulders at the end when it counted. Yeah, that and that's the thing that matters. Uh, looking back at the game for Tannehill, a couple of other things is uh, looking at that play. I, I wish he would have thrown the ball shorter because if he did that, then he's got Devontae Parker. He has a whole lot of room to go up and get that football. Um, throws it deep. Yeah, Parker could have judged it a little better, and Mo Alexander made a great play for the Rams at safety on that play. Also, can't let him off the hook. That that two other plays, uh, uh, passes should have been intercepted by Rams defenders too. But, you know, let's, let's, leave, let's leave that go. You know, Dolphins win the game. And it's because of how they played in those final two drives. I'll stick with my C-plus grade. Uh, the running back spot, uh, Jay Ajayi, each and every week, 
the, the numbers are not quite as impressive as they were against the Bills and against the Steelers, but still ends the game looking like that powerhouse running back, averaging almost five yards a carry. Yeah, I absolutely love what we've seen of Ajayi here. Uh, I think going into this game, he needed to average 40 yards a game or thereabouts to hit 1,000 for the year. And I was a little surprised that there were only 16 carries in this game. But with Miami going three and out so often, I think that really limited what he was able to influence in the, in the game itself. So at almost five yards of carry, uh, I'll give him a, a, a B here as well. Wasn't spectacular, but uh, he, he was getting the job done and with the opportunities he was given. Kenny and Drake looked okay as well. And Damian Williams, he should have had that little floater pass early. That, that was another play that could have really tweaked the momentum a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm going to give them a B minus. Uh, Ajaye looked powerful, and a lot of the times he was stopped for negative yardage, which was pretty frequent in this game. Can't blame him for. I mean, be cheating up on that line of scrimmage, especially in the rain. Finished the game with uh, 16 carries for 77 yards. 36 of them were on one play. So other than the 36 yard carry, he had 2.7 yards of carry. But you know. Uh, I know enough about Ajayi at this point to know that the guy is a monster. Actually needs 33 yards a game in the final six games to have 1,000 yards for the season. Uh, I'll give them a B-. I'm a little surprised that other than Damian Williams, um, you missed attempt there that he didn't get any carries. Kenny Drake did have one carry for two yards. Going to give them a B-. Paul, the, the receiving unit, the uh, wide receivers and tight ends, again, it's, it's, it's a tale of, of two different stories. Yeah, 55 minutes of a whole hell of a lot of not much. Um, but then once we hit that final five minutes of the game, you saw Jarvis Landry, you saw um, Devontae Parker really take the team on their shoulders and, and catching everything thrown their way, putting in that maximum effort to, to make things happen. And, God, I still, I still cannot get over that touchdown by Landry when at first, I was watching with my dad and my uncle, and we're all screaming, just go down, just go down, because we thought really somebody was going to end up stripping the ball from there. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you see the entire team come flying in, uh, Steen come in, throw a block, peeling somebody off of him, and just the legs kept driving, and the next thing you know, he's in the damn end zone. So they were a critical part of this comeback, but had it rough most of the game leading up to that point. So I've got to go with a B minus, believe it or not. And it feels weird to say that, but no, I have a B minus as well for, for uh, the receivers and the tight ends. Uh, yeah. I mean, heading up into the last, uh, let's, let's take a look at each receiver our, our Parker and Landry first 50, our first 54 minutes of the game, Devonte Parker, three catches for 22 yards, final seven minutes, five for 57 and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry, first 54 minutes of the game, two catches for one yard uh, in the final seven minutes, three for 27 and a touchdown. So uh, we, they, they came out and they balled when they needed to. And, and that's important. I uh, would like to see Leonte Carew a little more involved. Kenny Stills had an unjust, I mean, this guy, it's, it's feast or famine with him all the time. For every, for every long catch that he has, he has a bonehead play. One of them uh, negating a Jay Ajayi first down in one of the, I think, I think the third to last drive, where Ajayi's got the first down, and as he has, Ajayi's going out of bounds, Stills just pushes somebody in the back. I mean, unforgivable. And <laughs> But 
glad it turned out well. Something interesting about the tight end spot, Deion Sims played every single snap, which shows that he may be a lot more involved with this team um, throughout the rest of the year. I, I'm fine with that, too. I mean, if you have Deion Sims and Marquise Gray out there as extra blockers, they go out, they catch a few passes every game, hey, Given that what we've seen out of Jordan Cameron, I'm fine with that. Um, this unit for me would have been a, probably a D or an F heading into the final two drives. They came out and they won the game. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give them a C plus given that. Uh, the offensive line, Paul, really a lot of problems in this game. Uh, Injury-related, Laramie Tunzel leaves the game with a shoulder injury. We're not quite sure of his status moving forward. Brandon Albert doesn't play. Mike Pouncey doesn't play. But they did pull it together in the final two minutes. Um, So looking at that, Sam Young did give up a sack to Robert Quinn. Then from that point, handled himself very surprisingly well with not a whole lot of help. Uh, Anthony Steen, I thought, played well at the center spot on Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron Donald, we didn't hear about too too much. And it's a, it's rare that we see a game like that. And then at right guard and right tackle, I thought Bushrod and Juwan James did a solid job. Um, I'm going to give this unit a C+. Plus. Yeah, I'm actually right there with you. I had a C plus as, you, as well for this unit. Um, you get, they gave up four sacks to a surprisingly healthy version of the Rams line after all the, the injury news from last week. You know, Sam Young going up against Robert Quinn for over half the game. And other than that one play, uh, which was a, a big effort play by, by Quinn, he didn't give up a sack. Um, you look at Urbic. I mean, one of the sacks came over Bushrod uh, from Easley. I can't remember if the second one was over him as well. But really, I, I, I thought the line did a great job, especially given the decimation that they faced from injuries. Like you pointed out before, too, Deion Sims was in on every play, and, and I'm assuming that that was pretty much predominantly to, to help the offensive line that was so decimated by injuries out a little bit. But I think Miami's really found an absolute gem in Steen. And sure enough, with, with Pouncey's chronic hip issues popping up yet again, it might be time to start thinking about a few things regarding Pouncey. Absolutely. Uh, the one attractive thing of about Pouncey, if he can get in playing shape uh, or, or get that hip right in 2017, Dolphins will only save about $3.5 million by cutting him uh, for next year. Uh, so other than that, though, is, yeah, I mean, Steen has got to figure in at center. He's got to figure in figure in, a, in, in the guard competition next year. Uh, I'd like to see him on the field a lot more. Uh, gutsy performance for sure. Defensive side of the ball, Paul, other than the second drive of the game where the Rams start off in Dolphins territory and score a touchdown, uh, they let up three points the rest of the game. You can't say many more great things about their performance, even against a rookie quarterback, and even against, and even in the rain, still had a great performance. Starting with the defensive line, and Dominican or Cameron Wake gets his uh, now a seven and a half sacks on the year, and Dominican Sue is his usual disruptive self. Besides a 24-yard touchdown by Todd Gurley, the Dolphins control the run all game. And I'll tell you what, they need to re-sign Andre Branch as soon as possible. I mean, he is giving left tackles fits every week consistently during this five-game winning streak. Um, so very good job by them, and I think they really set the the, the pace up front. I'm going to give them an A-. minus. Yeah, I'm going to give these guys an A. It's they, Their sack total, they only had one sack on the game, but they were in Goff's face all day long. They were in helping with the run all game long, and, and, and that girly touchdown 
it was one of those plays that we seem to see each and every week, and, and Vance Joseph really needs to figure out how to scheme slightly better in this respect, where given the fact that they're in the wide nine, he's sending his linebackers on a, on a blitz where essentially they're committing to a hole and leaving a big gaping hole there. Uh, your, your, your guys that are responsible for the run are leaving a big gaping hole because of the blitz that you've called. And running backs have taken advantage of that for some pretty big gains this year. Uh, but that's a little nitpicky. I don't put that on the D-line, and, and it's easily an A for me here. Yeah, I, you know, Jordan Phillips, too, is is somebody. Overall, I've been impressed with his development. I hope he does reach a point where he isn't getting gashed once or twice a game, where he's so far, he's so wrong in picking the right hole that he he makes prop problems for everybody else. But overall, like Jordan Phillips and, and promising young player, too. Get Andre Branch re-signed as soon as possible, please. Linebacker unit. Paul, this unit missed, did not have Jelani Jenkins in this contest. And I got to tell you, I think that was a good thing. Uh, how do you grade out the linebacker unit? I think Kiko had a really good game. I'm not going to play on the linebackers that, that they blitzed into the wrong holes. They did a good job against Gurley outside of that 124-yard run. Then they were all over the damn field. Uh, I, I'm still not a Butler fan, although he wasn't as egregiously bad as he was last week. But really, limiting the run in, in a wet, rainy game like this one, um, it, it's huge. And, and most of that falls back on those linebackers. So I'll give these guys an A minus here. They 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 played a really good game in this one. Yeah, Kiko Alonso. I mean. It is. You take the good with the bad, and I think it's been mo- obviously seeing last week against San Diego with the just one of the best plays from a linebacker I've ever seen on the touchdown return. Uh, he can do some amazing things, especially in pass defense. He also had two really big fi- uh, 15-yard face, ma- face mask penalties in this contest too. So there are some times where I look at a lot. I mean, you look at Alonzo's game was gashed on a few plays, two face mask penalties, but he did force a fumble uh, that that should have over really turned the tide of the game, but it was followed by an interception. But uh, overall, fantastic player. Donald Butler continues to be meh. Um, I thought Spencer Pacinger played very well in this contest, too. He's somebody this year, as we've gone along, I've liked more and more and more. Vance Joseph, coming over from Cincinnati, we're able to manufacture those unnamed linebackers like Vincent Ray and like Vontaze Burford, who was at one point, point undrafted. So um, I'm hoping that, that his unit is able to continue to, to play well. So the linebackers overall, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give them a B plus. Uh, secondary, Paul. I actually had no issues with Miami secondary. I mean, they, Goff was limited to 17 to 31 for 134 yards. Kenny Britt was probably the most devastating receiving threat for um, the Rams. And I think he only had about 40 yards on five catches, a couple of which were some pretty impressive ones. Uh, Lippitt almost had one of the most impressive interceptions I think we probably ever would have seen where he dove essentially almost like around and through the wide receiver to almost make the catch and, and – uh, I believe it was Brad, just managed to break it up. And, and I thought Byron Maxwell played really well. I think he got a, a cheap pass interference penalty early in the game that really shouldn't have been. Should have got the Rams off the field. But, you know, I'm not going to slam him for it when it really wasn't a huge thing there. Uh, but I think he's continued to play well overall since they've moved him up. And I think a lot of the issues people have with Maxwell at this point 
really stemmed from early in the year when, when they were playing both quarters way too far off the ball and putting them out of position to succeed. So, so the safety position, Bakari Rambo is, is the Donald Butler of the secondary. Uh, but I think Michael Thomas and, and Issa tend to play very well, and I think they had a very good game this game, as, again, uh, even if it was a little quiet. So for me, it's a, it's a B-plus here. Um, tough day for them to be out there, but they, they really held their own in the ring. Yeah, I have no problem with the secondary. Even Bakari Rambo uh, in this game didn't didn't have an issue with him. And it shows that regardless of who the Dolphins put on the field at defensive back, uh, they're producing. Um, so imagine as they continue to build this unit over the next few years under Vance Joseph's uh, leadership. Yeah, I, I, there were two plays on pass interference penalties on, on Byron Maxwell that I thought were an absolute joke that kept drives going. And yeah, other than that, I mean, Kenny Brett had a 19-yard catch and the first touchdown drive. Um, other than that, you know, he had four catches for four catches for 24 yards, and he was their leading receiver on the team. So, have no complaints there. Tony Lippett continues to get better every week. Byron Maxwell uh, has has continued to play better and better every week. And, you know, I, I think there's a unique advantage when you look at Maxwell. You know, he shut out Antonio Brown. He largely shut out Brandon Marshall. And now you, you look at this game again, goes up against Kenny Britt with a rookie quarterback, mind you, and, and does well and holds them to five catches for 43 yards. I give this unit an A. Uh, looking at the special teams unit, what, what do you make of it, Paul? Well, you know what? It's... You, I believe the, the number of extra points this year, I don't remember exactly, but I thought there were about uh, something like, or style, I don't even want to begin to guess, but you see the number of extra points missed around the league just this weekend. Uh, I've got to give Andrew Franks a little more credit than, than I think we, we really have been, because other than some struggles early in the year, he's really done a great job. Didn't have any, any field goals to kick. I would have loved to see him kick the ball in the end zone, but he's kicking on wet grass in the rain and I'm okay with that. I think the return game was was mildly unexciting in, in this one, and and really, Matt Dar was was a superhero, going out and getting more snaps than, than a number of players did on defense. I believe in this game, and uh, I, mean, I think he finished with I think it was a ten punts for yeah he had yeah ten uh, punts. So I, I'll give this game an A. There were no major flubs. And, and really, in a game where, where Dar was punting that often to keep the field position game going and to have no mistakes and really be able to keep keep hold of the ball um, on that many snaps, I've got to give him an A because they very easily could have ended up being the deciding factor if any mistakes were made on those ten punts. Uh, you know, I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him a B because of Matt Dar. I mean, yeah, it, it, one of the has got to be one of the best punters in the league at this point. Ten punts, average of forty two point six a punt in the rain. He just he, he, other than the, the the drop a few weeks ago, man, the guy continues to even be I'd say better than Brandon Fields was uh, uh, back in the Tony Sperano days. I mean, just continues to do so well. Andrew Franks, you're right. You know, and I, I'll tell you what, Paul, I, I guarantee you next week. Now he misses an extra point because you said that, but you're right. He, uh, he does hit those extra points and he's his longest for the year is 41 yards, but he hasn't been asked to kick anything very long either. So 
the reason I give them a B and probably would give them lower for, for a couple of reasons. On, on kick returns, Kenyon Drake took the ball out of the end zone, which I, I think largely you should never do, and gets it back to the 14-yard line in the fourth quarter. That, that put the Dolphins back to begin with. Jarvis Landry catches a punt and uh, turns around and loses some yards on it. And other than that, the Dolphins didn't have any returns. And uh, you look at the last drive of the game, you um, Andrew Franks kicks the ball. Benny Cunningham takes it out. Uh, one missed tackle away from taking it to the house, and he returns it to the 42-yard line. So there are a few faux pas in the game. Luckily, they didn't cost the Dolphins any there, but overall, I'm going to give this unit a B. So, Paul, a few other pieces of news, too. The Dolphins did release Chris Culliver here early in the week to make room for center Jake Brendel after Mike Pouncey's injury. You know, uh, I, I'm a little disappointed by this. I... You, you know, they signed him to a contract. Uh, I'm expecting him to get into the lineup a few weeks in. They put him on PUP. He's not ready when he comes off PUP. And now they release him for, a, you know, a camp body type center. You know, what do you make of this? Um, I think the fact that he came off PUP and, and really never was ready to go, combined with the progress we've seen out of Lippitt and Maxwell throughout the year, really unfortunately made him a little bit expendable if he wasn't able to get healthy or wasn't able to show anything once he got healthy. I mean, you really haven't heard much of what went on with him after he came off of PUP. But honestly, the guy got a paycheck for weeks, perhaps a season for hanging out. God, I wish I could join an NFL team in in the Chris Culliver point because, hey, that'd be great. Um, But, you know, Good for him. Got, got to figure that you know with the, with the Maxwell and and McCain and, and Tony Lippett playing much better over the last the last few weeks. You, you you've got to think too that that they concluded Chris Culliver, even if he were healthy, wasn't going to be one of the Dolphins' top four cornerbacks. Uh, I'm looking forward to Xavier Howard coming back too because uh, you know I, I I think he adds a lot, even if he's only a fourth cornerback when he gets out on the field. Uh, Paul, before we call it a night, any other anything else you want to mention? Actually, there's two things. Um, one of them actually came from uh, Rick from the Nova Doll fans, where he was asking about possibly going after Malcolm Butler, who's going to be a restricted free agent this coming offseason with the Patriots, and, and what our thoughts were around that. I know he's going to command a pretty decent salary, and there's probably some draft compensation that would have to go back to the Patriots, which I hate giving them another draft pick. But uh, what, what do you think on that one? You know, I uh, looking at his, con- I, I'd really have to be aware of his contract, but I, I would imagine he'd be a restricted free agent, at which point, yeah. if you're going to get Malcolm Butler, uh, he's probably going to cost you a first-round pick, and you're going to have to pay him $12 million a year at least, given that he's a pro bowler and how young he is and a former Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, he'll, he'll be a restricted free agent in 2017. So... I wouldn't do it for him, but a couple. One player to keep your eye on, maybe in free agency, is Drake Kirkpatrick. Um, he's he played for Vance Joseph. Um, he, he played for Vance Joseph and uh, former first round pick has has gotten better every single year. And if I'm the Dolphins, I would rather they go the veteran route of cornerback in free agency, lock that position down, have the younger guys there, and then from that point. You don't have to do anything at defensive back if you just sign that one guy 
And then you can focus the rest of your resources on resigning your own players, committing to the draft. I think that's the direction that they should go. But the short answer is I don't think the, the Patriots were, would trade him unless they thought much lower of him than other people did. And I think first round pick or a second round pick and 12 to 13 million a year is going to be too much. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll add on top of that as well is you have to sign him since he's a restricted free agent to a contract that is prohibitive to the Patriots. So you can't lowball negotiate with the guy to, to do so because the Pats can go, oh, you got you got him to agree to nine million a year, sold, quick, we'll we'll take that, and and, and he's theirs. So it's you know, and I'm sure. They're winning the division, which convince him to stay. He seems to enjoy playing up there. But regardless, the other thing that a lot of folks have been talking about is the um, the fact that they think we need three corners this offseason. I, I think something you just said really leads us to the point that I don't think Miami does need three this offseason. With Xavier Howard, Bryce, or Bobby McCain, Tony Lippett, and, and Byron Maxwell really the only thing I'd like to see is somebody truly see the reins as an alpha corner. But other than that, other than if the right corner fell, I mean, they're able to play games in free agency a little bit with Mike Drake or Patrick, like you talked about. And it's the right safety to come in and either be a backup or maybe unseat Caduce, even though I don't have a problem with the way Caduce is playing. Were it fallen to Miami's lap, I wouldn't be opposed to it in the offseason just because – I love when a team has two dominant safeties in, the, in their secondary, and, and, and that's just a personal preference at that point. But that's kind of nitpicking to the secondary. I don't know what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I, I'll stick by with what I said on at the corner spot, that I think that when you, if you get Xavier Howard back, you can legitimately head into next year with Xavier Howard, Tony Lip, and Bobby McCain as your top three guys, and you may be able to cut Byron Maxwell. I don't know if you want to do that anymore because he has been playing much better over recent weeks. Um, so if they signed a Kirkpatrick, I, I think that it would it would be with having – it'll be because they had cut Byron Maxwell. But we'll see on that. Um, maybe they don't have to at all. That, that's where – that's where Vance Joseph, Lou Anarumo, the defensive backs coach, their leadership and their guidance in this unit allows the Dolphins to actually get some big, fast players out there and know that they're going to be developed. Where in the past under Kevin Coyle, we're putting proven player back there year after year after year, and they're getting beat up because, well, it's Kevin Coyle's scheme. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on that. So, I mean, other than that, I didn't really have too much more for this week. I know we're going to have our preview show later in the week and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. As am I. So we will wrap it up and if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans radio, live and direct Win or lose, we're showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar Rockin' Apple Orange over here, then you familiar Every week they coming through our 
speakers to fulfill the crap we have to hear about our team and all the latest news. Vets, the rookies trying to make the team paying dues. Current players and alumni interviews. City to city, state to state, follow the moves. Call the hotline, Dolphins talk, set to go. Best sports team and show all across the globe. Fin ain't the left side or the right side. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.